Bible, and I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me now to Psalm 1. We're in the series. We're talking about the good news that God is blessing. God is blessing. And we're studying not the fruits of those blessings, what those blessings are, but the roots of those blessings, where they come from, and, and what, what must be in our lives for the blessing of God to be made manifest. Today we're going to be in verse 3 in particular, as we're talking about one of those roots, faith. But not just any faith, it's a particular faith. It, it's a particular faith that has a gratitude to a particular person. A couple of weeks ago, I introduced the concept to the church, and it was new to some of you. I wanted to come back and revisit it to make sure that it's established in our understanding. There are two kinds of grace. Uh, one of the grace, the, the grace that's given to, to all people, is God's common grace. What is God's common grace? Well, God's common grace, that's going to put that for me, belongs to all humanity as seen in the gifts of life, air, gravity, thought, etc. Common grace is a good thing. It creates within the human spirit gratitude. The problem is, common grace doesn't have the capacity to give gratitude to a particular person. There is gratitude for air, job, work, life, what have you, that are given to all people, but there's no one specifically that, that we can give that gratitude to. See, love and gratitude are very similar in this. If you have love, but no one to love in particular, that love doesn't feel like a blessing. It feels like a weight. And so it is with gratitude. If you have something to be thankful for, but no one to show your gratitude to, the, the gratitude is not complete. It's not full. As a matter of fact, it's a weight on you. And so common grace is a good thing. There is good that God has given to all people, and it creates gratitude, but no one particular to be, to be grateful to. Only particular grace can do that. God's particular grace belongs to those that repent and believe in Jesus, and it is seen in new eternal life, forgiveness, and a personal relationship with God and His people. Having that personal relationship with God, that particular person in our life, now we have someone to be grateful to. God, I am grateful for this, and I am grateful to you for it. And the expression of that gratitude that is given to us by the gift of faith completes the gratitude. So now it is full in us. It is completed in us. And that can only happen by grace through faith in Christ alone. While there is a common grace given to all people, there is only a particular grace given to those who repent and believe. And it is only within that particular grace that gratitude can be fulfilled and final and complete as it is expressed to a particular person that we know has loved us and saved us. That faith is a grateful faith. And, and that's the kind of faith that we are given by God. And, and there are particular blessings that come out of that, but what we want to make sure we understand are the roots of that blessing, the root that those who have faith are grateful for. And we see those in verse 3, but we need to understand verse 3 in light of the entire chapter. So if you would, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Nolan's going to come for us. He's going to read for us the entirety of Psalm 1. 
And I want you to remember again, we're in verse 3, and it's, it's, it's crucial that you see this one verse in light of the whole, but I'm going to expose it from verse 3. Only if you would read first the whole. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Noah. If you would, go ahead and be seated. It is vital that we know specifically what we, those who are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, are grateful for. These are the roots of God's blessing. There's five of them. And I want you to take note. I'm going to give you some support scriptures. I'm not going to have time to uh, teach all of the, the intricacies but of those texts, but I want you to have them. I want you to go back and think through them in, in light of, of, this, of this text in particular. Five things. First one is this. Those blessed with faith, they're, they're grateful that God has planted them in Christ. That God has planted them in Christ. Look at the first part of verse 3. Notice the verb. He is like a tree planted. Trees don't plant themselves. There is a designer. There is someone who places the tree where he desires it. Now, given common grace, God's common grace is we've all been given a life. We've all been given a place we are from. We have people that, that are family. We have friends. We've had experiences of life. That is a common grace, but there is a redemptive grace that is far more powerful. Because it's, it's not just a general life, it is a very particular life. It's a particular life where the gospel seed has gotten in. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of heart and circumstance that's been churned up by the power of God so the seed could get in. It's, it's a new life. That, that has a new family. For everyone who becomes a follower of Jesus, you, you join a, a billion-plus people as a, as a member of the family of God in Christ. And then there's these experiences of God where He's protecting you and providing for you. And those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can, you can, you can look back on your life and you can see I, I rem, I, the gospel seed was planted here and but it didn't come, it didn't stick, it didn't happen. But then something else happened, and God was working in me. And, and since I've received this, I've seen life, and there's a change. Uh, Jesus describes this whole process of what happens to different people in different ways in, in, in Mark chapter 4. Uh, when I was coming to saving faith in Christ, it was a, it was a very interesting time. Uh, for me and my group of friends. Uh, many of my friends had begun to go to church. We weren't raised in the church. Some of them began to go to church in the fall. I wasn't safe until the summer following that. But they began to go. And I went occasionally. And, and some of my friends were very much like me. Uh, Jesus said, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Their heart was like, like mine. It was hard. And so we heard the gospel preached, but it just landed on us. It didn't get down in us. 
And so by the time we were in the car going about the, the next thing, it had already been taken away by the things of the world. And, and there was no change that happened in our lives whatsoever. We were in church a couple of times, but that doesn't do anything. Something's got to get in you. Now, there were some other friends of mine. It was a different experience. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Some of my friends, I began to hear them talk about the fact that they had been converted. They had made a decision. And, and there was a baptism, and there was even talk of being a member of a church. But then, as days and weeks went along, there began to be peer pressure by guys like me who were not walking with the Lord. And there began to, to be opportunities for mischief. And, and rather than continue to grow in this new life, they were scorched. They got, they got burned. And it was as if there was never any new life at all. Then there was another group. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. I had a group of friends uh, in that circle uh, that came to uh, uh, this new life. But soon after, maybe it was in the spring, as I began to be far more attuned to, to what I was hearing and thinking about a little bit, I, I saw some of them get involved with an organization that was very legalistic. And so they had, they had a faith, but suddenly it was being choked out by false teaching. And it was legalistic, and they were being told, you've got to keep all these rules. If you're really a, a Christian, first you've got to keep all these rules, and you've got to do all these things, and there's all these mandates, or it's not real. And it began to choke out that life. And on the other side, there were guys who were being choked out by the pleasures of the world and the things of the life, and all of a sudden, the, the pressures and the, and the other things that were going on and opportunities, spring break and all that stuff, it just choked it out. Meanwhile, I was trying to get a date, so I kept going to church. And then something crazy happened. God began to take my heart and tear it open. Took the soil and ground it up. I could take you to the spot, 1001 Joshua Drive, Nashville, Tennessee, 37221. I could take you to the row that I was mowing when I felt the seed go in. Now, I wasn't saved for two weeks later because I fought it. But something happened. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Something happened to me. Christ became alive in me. I would have never pursued God. I would have never chosen Christ. But that, He took my heart grounded up and got the seed of the gospel in me and planted Christ in me. Some of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? There is something to be planted in Christ. And when you have God's particular redemptive grace, you have this glorious gift of being, of being planted in Christ. Secondly, you also have this. You have God feeding you. God is feeding them with Christ. So you're planted in Christ, but God doesn't leave it at that. It's not, oh, I've got salvation, now I can go do whatever. No, 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 it's not getting choked out by thorns. It's not rocks in your heart that are going to keep from the, from the, the roots being able to, to explore and dig out. No, 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 no. God is now going to feed you with Christ. Look at the text. 
This tree is planted by streams of water. Trees must have a source of water in order to thrive. Now, the water pictured here is not just some happen-chance stream. That's not the word. That's not what's happening here. The word, the, the, the Hebrew is kalgamayim. And what it means, it is an irrigated water. It is a controlled water. It is a canal system. So don't get in your mind, there was just some happen-chance seed that got some happen-chance opportunity that just happened to come by a, a river that was there. It's not what this is describing at all. This is describing a designer who created a water source and planted a tree by it. So those who are planted in Christ, the way we thrive and the way we flourish is we are fed with Christ. Jesus Christ is the living water. John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus is the living water. And so when you've been planted in Christ, the only way to thrive is in order is, is that we must be we must feed on Christ. Christ must feed us. We must be fed with Christ. God does not just give us anything that we are to drink in to care for our souls. No, no, no. God has provided a river that flows from Calvary that, that feeds the souls of the redeemed that have been planted with the gospel of God. This is a great gift. And we must drink it in. Oh, friends, we must every day drink Jesus in through His Word and prayer. We must gather with the church. And when we don't, what we must understand, we're not only harming ourselves, we're dishonoring God. Some of the strongest language you will find in the Bible are of those God speaks who refuse to drink of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. This is powerful. You will not find many scriptures with this kind of attention grabber, all right? Look what it says. Be appalled, O heavens. At this, be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. That's kind of an attention getter, right? What this saying is, you freak out. Something horrible is happening. What is it? The people have committed two evils. Now, notice this. Two evils. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Having been given new life in Christ, they have now forsaken feeding on Christ. He is no longer the source and supply of their strength and their hope and their pleasure and their delight. A worldly thing is taking place there. So not only are they not drinking in the living water, look what they've done. Instead, They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot, you know, they can hold no water. What do we do? Please understand. If Jesus Christ is not the source of your joy and life and love, something else will be. And if it is not Jesus, it will be a created thing that is broken. There are so many common grace gifts that God gives. Family, friends, spouse, children, job, health. They're all broken because they're all under the condemnation of the sin of this world. And if your your lifeline, if your life comes from one of these broken sisters, 
Your hope cannot be sustained. Your life, spiritual life cannot be sustained. You are made. We are made. We are planted in Christ to, to be fed with Christ so that we can grow, so that we can develop. And that's the third thing that they're thankful for. There's a faith that is grateful for. God is growing them into Christ. Look what it says there. It's right in the middle. That yields its fruit in season. This goes without saying, but I'll say it. Trees that are healthy produce fruit of the kind of tree they are. Trees that are healthy produce fruit of the kind of tree they are. I know that sounds that's crazy, but religious people mess this up, okay? John Owen has it right. The rule and method of the gospel is this, that the tree be first made good, and then the fruit will be good also. What does is, what is religion teach? You take whatever religion you want to in the world. Here's what religion teaches. First be good, and then you can have the God of goodness. First earn the right, and then you can get the blessing. That is not what Christianity teaches. That is not the gospel. The gospel is you are planted. The seed of the gospel gets in you. You are fed with Christ, and then His goodness, His existence grows out of you. You begin to look like Jesus. You begin to have His His attributes, His characteristics. We are told in Ephesians 4.15, we are told that we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. We are, we are to conform, we are to be, be conformed to the image of His Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We are to look like Him. Jesus said this. Again, Matthew 7, 16. It's so commonsensical, but you've got to you think it through. You will recognize them by the fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course not. Where does Christ's likeness come from? It comes from abiding in Christ. The other day, um, I posted a, a picture of our, our, our youngest, Asher, and people began to, to comment, Oh my, he looks like Pastor Jason. And all I could say to him is, Bless your heart. Enjoy that hairline while you got it, my friend. Because he is, he's looking like me. And, and that's, a, that's, a, a, that's a sad thing, so pray for him. But nonetheless, proof is mine, right? Because where does light came from me? Does anyone ever say, My goodness, you seem so much like Jesus. There is such a likeness of Christ in you. There is a love and a kindness and a joy and a peace. You, you have such a servant spirit. There is a humility, but yet a confidence that is willing to, to do the hard things, to, to care and love, not when it's convenient, but when it's hard. You look so much like a Christian. What is a Christian? It is a little Christ. Understand that we are to look this way and grow this way in every season. And remember, winter is the season. Look what the text says. That yields its fruit in its season. So, those of you who know this particular grace of Jesus, what season are you in? You ever think about that? You ever think about the fact that there's different times in your faith? So, I give you these some examples just to give consideration to. Are you in winter when God is changing you under the surface? 
There's fruit to be gained there. Is, are you in the spring, God creating new truth uh, above the surface? You, you know, in the springtime, you start to see the, the fields are being, are being sown. There's, there's beginning to be a, a different kind of grade in there. Is that, is that where you are? Is it summertime for you? God cultivating growth above the surface? Are things beginning to make, be made manifest? The fruit's not there, but you can begin to see where the fruit is going to come. Or are you in the harvest? God producing new life in you above the surface. Oh, that's a fun time. When people can see the transformation that's happening, they can see the fruit. Friends, we're going to go through all of those seasons. What season are you in? And are you producing the fruit that comes with that season? Those with faith are grateful for that. They're also grateful, number four, God is preserving them for Christ. Planted in Christ, fed with Christ. We are growing into Christ, and we're being preserved for Christ. And its leaf does not wither. Trees that never wither have a supernatural source of strength. Think of it. Never? Ever? Never? Only, only something divine, supernatural, could be happening in, in such a reality. And, and while there are seasons, there's never a time when we're not alive. We are being preserved for Christ. One of the uh, images that we have of ourselves in Scripture is the Bride of Christ. And so what, what we are to be is this one who's been set aside, who has been asked, will you love me? Will you be with me forever? Will you be mine? And in and, and, and faith, we say, yes, Lord, I choose you. You have chosen me. I choose you. I receive you. I receive the invitation of salvation. Yes, you are my Lord. But that won't be final until Jesus returns. It's not fully consummated. Is the relationship and the covenant made? Absolutely. But there's still more to come. Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, First uh, Thessalonians 5, First Thessalonians 5, 23-24, speaks of this coming. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God's doing right now. He's preserving us. He's keeping us holy. He's keeping us Christ-like until the coming of Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will preserve you. We are kept for Christ. We are His bride. He doesn't want us out living a life that does not honor Him. He does not want us to, to be unfaithful to Him and to the degradation of the, of the passions of the flesh. No, friends. He is preserving us in the fruitfulness of His grace for Christ. Jude, this very small, often forgotten uh, text in, in the New Testament, Jude 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. We are kept for Christ. The preserving power of the Spirit of God is not something for us, it's for Christ. And, and we are to have this confidence that, yes, I am indeed the bride. I am indeed in Christ, planted in Christ, being fed with Christ. I, I am now becoming Christ-like. I, I, I am being preserved for Christ. And last, God is blessing them like Christ. Like Christ. Look at this last part. And in, in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write this, or write this on your notes. It says in the text, in all that he does, he prospers. It's common sense, but I don't think we think about it enough. Think about this. Write this for a moment. Trees don't eat their own fruit. What is it to be prosperous? There are many who would say, it means I eat my own fruit. 
It means I get what I want and I consume it. Trees don't eat their own fruit. The fruit is given to others. What is, it, what is it to be blessed like Christ? Understand it, friends. There is no greater blessing than to be a blessing. Acts 20.35 quotes Jesus. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus who himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. There is a blessing that comes from being the blessing that is unlike all of God's other blessings. What is the root of that blessing? A faith that is grateful that we are planted in Christ, being fed with Christ, growing in, into Christ, being preserved for Christ, so that we can, like Christ, be a blessing. Remember when God chose to bring redemption and promised to bring redemption through Abram, what he said. Look what he said to him. This is the foundation of our faith. We are now uh, heirs in Christ as Abram. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God plants us, feeds us, grows us, preserves us to make us a blessing. After the first service, uh, Bill Ferris, one of our elders, he said, when you were, when you were saying that, he said, I was thinking about my parents. See, my parents, they, they used to keep this crazy, huge garden. And every Sunday during the, the season of harvest, they would come in, in the back of their truck. There would be all these vegetables. And they would go to all their friends, please come to our truck after church. We've got tomatoes. We've got let, we got all kinds of stuff. And it reminded me of the shepherds. You guys know uh, Jennifer and J.D. Shepherd. They would do that. Every day in the spring, they bring, they just bring all these vegetables. And it their look on their faces of, of just great delight as people would receive that blessing from them. They would say, we've been privileged to be able to provide this, and now we want to share it with you. This is the great blessing of Christ. He came to not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a, as a ransom. Friends, trees don't eat their own fruit. They produce fruit so that others can have life. Do you see the reason why we have so much to be grateful for who believe? Do you understand the difference between common grace and particular grace, especially as it, as it matters into the very fundamental aspects of our existence in life? Do you see how this is the root of God's blessing? I want to read something to you, and I, I want you to just... Close your eyes for just a moment. Bow your head. I just listen to this for a moment. Those blessed with faith are grateful that God has planted them in Christ, is feeding them with Christ, is growing them into Christ, is preserving them for Christ, is blessing them like Christ. Does that describe you. Are you planted in Christ? Are you being fed with Christ? Are you growing into Christ? Are you being preserved for Christ? Are you being a blessing like Christ? 
If so, you are blessed and have so much to be grateful for. Take just a moment in the, in the quiet of that moment and be grateful to God. Some of you are not planting. Some of you are not growing. Some of you are not feeding. Some of you are not being preserved. Some of you are not a blessing. Let's stand here. Father, there, there are seasons, and we're to grow in all of them. And Lord, I pray that today is, is a day of awakening. And I pray for some who are there, here today who would have to say, as I did 30 years ago, I'm not planted in Christ. And I pray today they would come get on their knees and say, Jesus, come alive in me. May this gospel come into me. Plant me. Feed me. Grow me. Preserve me. Let me be like Jesus, blessing the world. Maybe today there's someone you know that needs a blessing. One of the great gifts you can give them is prayer. I've been so grateful this week, Father, for the, for the prayer of the saints for me. I pray for some today who want to come and they, they need to pray to you, asking maybe for themselves, maybe for others. Father, would you allow us in this sacred moment to say where we are, to ask for your work, to join you in what you're doing. Come and pray. Come and praise us.